Welcome to episode number 165 of the Giant Take Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined by my co-host Alex. We're coming to you a week after our last episode with the seven-round mock draft by the New York Giants 3.0. In this episode, we have a pretty lengthy intro here. Well, I don't know how long it is because we're just starting it right now, but we actually have topics to talk about. It's it's fun. I'm happy. We had minicamp, uh, the voluntary minicamp this past week. So we're coming to you with that and we're coming to you uh, with some other news as well as our first round mock draft 2.0. The 1.0 came about a little after a month ago. Um, so now we're back with the 2.0, and that'll come after the intro here. So stay tuned. But first, Alex, my co-host, my friend. It's a Sunday night, but we're going strong. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Draft day is four days away now when you're listening to this. Three days, four days, four days, three. I don't know. I can't you're listening. It's, it's close. Um. Anyway, I'm super excited. I've done more research for this draft than any other draft probably combined. Um, so, you know, certainly I, I bet you Josh feels the same way. Um, it's, it's kind of stressful. It's kind of like, Oh my God, your, your baby's being born. And it's like, you know, something's happening. Uh, my great analogy there. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited not only for what the giants do, but obviously researching all these players for so long, it's just going to be interesting to see where they all end up and how their careers uh, you know, move forward, especially some of the sleeper guys who you can kind of like say, you know, there's, this is, this is my guy, you know, even though obviously it's, you know, their career, they've, yeah. you know, built it up obviously, but you know, still feel a little bit of credit inside for hyping them up uh, and hoping that they have a good career. And then hopefully a few years down the line, you can say, I told you so to all those that doubted you uh, and said you were wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Alex, you don't have to. You don't have to even say uh, how many days it is. You can just go with it. It's draft week because that's what it is, right? We're here, um, and you know what? It does suck though in the way that there's like all these players that you think will fit with the Giants well. So it's like, oh, there's Gardner, there's Thibodeau, there's Neal, there's Cross, there's um, Hutchinson, there's Booth. I don't know. You're just like saying all these guys are like, oh, they fit with the Giants, they fit with the Giants, and then they all end up with different teams, and you're like. Oh, but I only pictured him wearing blue. This is weird, man. There was a guy last year by the name of Micah Parsons that I just fit with the Giants this whole time. It was like, all right, he's going to, you know, maybe he's going to the Giants, whatever. I'll root for him wherever he goes. He ends up going to the Dallas Cowboys, our NFC East rival. And you're like, God damn it, out of the one few teams you go to, I can't root for you anymore. That was one of the guys last year. That what that happened, and you got to think that one of these guys, Alex, we really like, uh, that we could fit with the Giants, are going to go to the Eagles. They're going to go to the Commanders. They're going to go to the Cowboys, and you're going to have to be like, oh, I can't root for you anymore. I was rooting for you this whole time. It's going to suck, but it's it's going to be weird, but it's going to be really fun, like you said, to see where all these guys uh, end up. Another guy like Jonathan Taylor when he went to the Colts. Um, my cousin goes to Wisconsin. So, you know, I was following him ever since he was there. Um, and that was a big deal when he ended up going with the Colts. So, like, that's that's something there. And now he's probably one of the best, if not, you know, the best uh, NFL running, you know, running backs in the NFL. Anyway, let's go to the New York Giants news here. Uh, starting off with the voluntary mini camps that happened throughout this week, I believe it was the 19th of April through the 21st. Uh, they've come and gone. 
um, as well as Joe Shane's and Brian Dable's pre-draft press conferences that is coming on as well. The big name that was not at these voluntary minicamp uh, workouts, whatever you want to call it, Kadarius Tony, the pick number 20 of the New York Giants first round last year, was not there. And the speculation was started by none other than the, the, the reporter that New York Giants fans love to hate on the most. I believe New York Daily News is, uh, you know, where he works. Pat Leonard uh, basically assumed or went on social media stating with a TikTok attached to his tweet um, that the New York Giants are the New York Giants are shopping Kadarius Tony. Then that was followed by retweets of other reporters saying, not hearing that they're like close to a deal, but that his name has been like thrown out. So basically Leonard was kind of going for a little clickbaity, a little too much on that. I've been talking for three minutes. Alex, go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you basically hit all of it, right? Uh, there was kind of some drama regarding Kadarius Tony not being a voluntary workouts. Uh, you know, speculation ensues. Media takes advantage. Uh, may, you know, takes it. Also, I, I do want to say this, right? There is entirely a possibility that Pat Leonard is right. And we are shopping Tony and just no one wants him, right? Or in the next few days, something could happen or he is completely wrong, right? Those those are kind of the options. Um, but, you know, we've seen other uh, Giants beat writers, beat reporters kind of back him up, kind of not. Uh, depends kind of how you take what they've said. Um, but I, I certainly don't think it's like a, uh, you know, he's definitely wrong. Like, how dare he post this? But I think, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not going to, you know, give my opinion on it because I don't actually know. And if people are mad at uh, Pat Leonard for uh, saying things, because even if he maybe supposedly doesn't actually know, then certainly I'm not going to start uh, going out there and saying what's right and what's happening, what's not happening when I have even less sources uh, than he does. But in terms of what Canarius Tony brings to the Giants, obviously brings explosiveness, agility, yards after catch, uh, and another weapon. Not, he's a weapon. He's an offensive weapon, but he cannot stay on the field. He has some issues off the field, obviously, clearly, uh, that, you know, are concerns. I think in terms of what you'd get for Kadarius, Tony, I don't think you get more than a second or a third round pick. I think you're looking at a late second, uh, early third. Uh, in terms of compensation for Kadarius Tony, and that would be from a team that really likes him. If I'm a team, though, I'm giving that third round pick in uh, in trading for Kadarius Tony because I think in the right area, in the right team, in the Kansas City Chiefs, imagine what they could do with Kadarius Tony. Um, but maybe he's just not really a Giants fit. Who knows? Um, but we'll have to see what happens with him. Uh, and how, you know, this all progressed leading up to the draft. Him and Bradbury obviously are the big stories in terms of possible trade candidates for the Giants uh, to acquire more draft capital. I mean, you're talking about these these uh, picks that the Giants could offer Tony for. The thing is, how are the Giants going to sell this? Okay, I really like Kadarius Tony. Uh, this is like another team calling Shane. All right, let me talk to you a bit about him. Okay, what has he done? Well, he played good in college. Uh, in the NFL, hasn't really stayed on the field because he's been injured. But I mean, I guess if you want me to tell you, he had two good games this year. Does that help you? Does that make you want you? Does that make you want to give up a first round pick for him? We really haven't seen Kadarius Tony at the top level of his game in the NFL yet, to the point where a team is going to want to offer a first round pick for this guy. 
He had two good games. Two good games. That's it. And then the guy's been injured. But now, Alex, you mentioned what the reporters has said. Let's see what Kadarius Tony has said. He basically indirectly or directly, I guess, went on social media, Twitter or Instagram specifically, and said something around like the words of don't believe everything you see. This is something that, you know, a lot of NFL players say. A lot of people in general say. Also, Kadarius Tony's personal driver had a very lengthy post on Instagram. Just to make it more interesting, obviously. Can't get any weirder. (laughs) So, he also was the driver for Odell Beckham, for all the people that are comparing Kadarius Tony to Odell Beckham now. I don't know if you've seen those comparisons, Alex, because, you know, he's like, he's the head case. Oh, he, you know, he's doing this. He could be another guy. Don't compare Kadarius Tony and Odell Beckham. Completely different players. Kadarius Tony has been injured uh, pretty constantly, has been a guy that doesn't seem like he's, you know, he hasn't had even any levels of production yet. Odell Beckham, at least when he was with the Giants, he balled out when he had the chance to. Yes, I know he had off the field antics. That's sort of similar, but two different players. Anyway, let's let's go uh, to the Instagram profile of Danny Boy Hustle Hard, who said, um, I said that in the most like white voice possible. Danny Boy Hustle Hard said, uh, in all caps, you want the real news from the source or the fake news from a Santa Claus news reporter who's bored with his life? KT ain't going nowhere. It's crazy because when a man in his own lane, minding his business, staying out the way, the media will make a fake story up for just up just for clout. One more time, the Joker is not getting traded. Um, and if you believe Pat Leonard's Eddie Spaghetti stories, then you must still believe in the Tooth Fairy. I'm gone, Cheech. And yes, I'm tagging every news reporter and news channel. I'm bored today. Like Pat Leonard. Kadarius Tony responded with a comment of two 100 emojis. Uh, and he did what he said he would do. If you go to the tags on the post, Jordan Ronan, Pat Leonard, many Giants news sources are all tagged in this Instagram post. So it seems like Kadarius Tony is very much of the mindset that he is not going anywhere as well as his driver. Yeah. I mean, the driver is always an important part of a, someone's life. Obviously many will not have a personal driver because many are not in the NFL and don't have that type of money. But, uh, I guess, I don't know. He's been talking to Kadarius Tony. Maybe he's hustling hard respect. Um, I, I don't know what to say. I was more just bringing it in here for the laughs. I, I decided to add it in here because I thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you get, if you trust Danny boy hustle hard, then I guess it's important for you anyway. <laughs> um, what do we want to move on to next? Obviously there's a lot that happened. Uh, you want to talk about some of the press conference stuff that has happened, uh, over the past few days, obviously Joe Shane spoke, Brian Dable spoke. Uh, so let's get into some of the things that they said that were relevant to uh, the Giants, really. Brian Dable uh, stated that cornerback James Bradbury is on the roster as of April 20th. Uh, Joe Shane also said that he had uh, talks with the uh, Bradbury's representatives as well uh, and, and has talked to, you know, 
there's been communication channels going between the two groups. Uh, so it's not like they're completely cut off from each other. So that's something important to note. Uh, Joe Shane on Kadarius Tony not being at the voluntary mini camps. At the end of the day, it's voluntary. That is what he said regarding that. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, he Joe Shane also said he's perfectly fine staying at five and seven uh, regarding the draft. And on Andrew Thomas, moving him to right tackle based on what the Giants do in the draft, Brian Dable said, I cannot answer that right now. Uh, so those are some quotes we have here from Joe Shane uh, and Brian Dable from their press conferences. But players also spoke uh, during these kind of pre-draft press conferences, these voluntary minicamp practices. And we saw uh, some big names such as Kenny Galladay, Leonard Williams, Saquon Barkley uh, come up to the podium and answer some questions. Seamless transition, Alex. Seamless. Let's go to Saquon. That was the greatest transition ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Saquon Barkley now saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. All right. I don't want to hear this anymore. Why are these people still talking, doubting on me? Doubt, doubting on me, doubting me. He basically just said he's tired of hearing and reading the BS that happens uh, on social media, on the internet. Um, that's been said about in the last two years. Well, now. Saquon, you tired of it? You pissed about it? You got to prove it. Prove it on the field. Show me. I want to see you rushing for more than 100 yards a game. I want to see the Saquon of old, the rookie season Saquon. Will we ever see it again? It's questionable. If he's pissed about it, I want him to show it. Kenny Galladay. He taught. So this is, this is how the media can twist up some stuff. When asked about why he showed up to the workouts or the voluntary, yeah, voluntary workouts, he said, Quote, that's how much it means to me coming off last season. Everyone should definitely be here. Well, you know, Canary's Tony now being looped into that. Um, Galladay said that himself and Sterling Shepard are going to reach out to Tony. Doesn't know why he hasn't, he, he isn't there. Uh, so he didn't want to pass any judgment. It's just funny how you can twist someone's words because he said, oh, well, Galladay said everyone should be here. Well, your friend over there, the fellow wide receiver, Kadarius Tony, he's not here. You know, why does he get the exception? So just something to note there. Leonard Williams uh, on being part of so many rebuilds. Remember, this guy has had a bad career on teams. Man went from the Jets to the Giants, staying in New York, but going from one bad team to another. Uh, in his response to that, he said, quote, it's not the rebuilding I'm sick of. It's the losing. That, I mean, that sucks for him, honestly. Just getting traded to another bad team, but he also did. He also, he also is getting a lot of money. So that's something to note of. Um, Alex, you want to take some other stuff here? Yeah. In terms of some players who weren't there at the practice, uh, according to Zach Rosenblatt, Graham Gano, James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, uh, and Kadarius, Tony, Mark Lewinsky wasn't there as well, but it sounds like he was having a baby. Uh, I think is what happened there. So, I don't know if anyone like came out officially, but that's kind of what I've been hearing. So, uh, you know, from my many sources. So that's kind of his excuse there. It seems like he has a valid excuse and we will uh, let him go for that one. I think Josh, right? I, I think that's okay. We're good well, with that. Alex, if you want to just get a source from the Glowinski household, you know, we want to give a checkup on yeah. them, maybe bring a gift yeah. or something. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know how you want. I don't have it. I don't, I don't, I don't do gifts. <laughs> you don't do gifts for people. <laughs> what? Don't do gifts. Just in general, he starts playing well. I'll I'll think about a, a new stroller. Okay, I mean that's that's all you, man. 
Let's see. Yeah, I'm looking at it. All right, let, let's keep going. Um, I'll I'll see if I can double check on the Glowinski baby news. You can you continue with some other stuff? Yes, I certainly can do some more glue uh, news, not Glowinski baby news. That's it for that. Um, in terms of some new signings for the Giants, or literally one signing for the Giants, the Giants are signing and have signed. Obviously, now it's been a few days. Uh, tight end Jordan Atkins. Uh, some tight end depth and competition for Ricky Seals-Jones, plus whoever they draft, play for Giants tight end coach Andy Bischoff uh, last year with the Texans. Atkins is 30 years old and most likely uh, will compete with Seals-Jones, like I mentioned before, who signed last month. He was selected in the third round of the 2018 draft. Uh, he was 26 years old when drafted because uh, he originally pursued a career in baseball and was drafted by the Texas Rangers in 2010. He wasn't good enough in the minor leagues, so then he turned to football and went to US, uh, UCF. Last year, a- Atkins had 24 catches out of 33 targets, 214 yards, but no touchdowns. In total, Atkins has appeared in 58 career NFL games with 23 starts. He's been targeted 162 times, hauling in 114 receptions for 1,260 yards and three touchdowns. So that's a bit about the new signing of Jordan Atkins at tight end. Moving on now to some draft stuff. We got some draft rumors. Uh, you know, there's going to be more a lot in the next few days, but here are some we've heard right now. The New York Giants are reportedly high on cornerback Sauce Gardner, uh, and he's a realistic option at number five overall. This comes from Pat Leonard. Uh, I know a lot of people's not favorite, but uh, he wrote this article. He stated that some league sources believe that the Giants are high enough on uh, Sauce Gardner that he is in play at number five overall. And then Todd McShay, uh, obviously more of a national guy uh, who's certainly very respected. He said, keep hearing New York Giants and Carolina connected to Mississippi State offensive tackle Charles Cross. It's lying season, so take it for what, uh, for take it F-W-I-W. If true, New York Giants should take Cross at five, knowing Carolina is likely to go OT or QB at six then New York Giants get same edge at seven as it would have gotten at five. Only potential flaw is Carolina trading number six. So more connections between Charles Cross and the New York Giants. Obviously, Bobby Johnson was there at his pro day working him out at right tackle. I think this is not really a smoke screen. I think there's serious interest here, but I do believe the Giants, uh, there's obviously been rumors about them being connected very much to Evan Neal as well. I think... It's between Neal and Cross for that number one spot for the Giants, but I kind of see it similar to like an Andrew Thomas situation where we heard Worfs a lot towards the end, uh, but Thomas was kind of a guy we heard a little bit, that he was connected a little bit throughout the whole process, and he ended up being the pick. Uh, I do think the Giants most likely have Evan Neal uh, and then followed by Charles Cross, but uh, obviously that's just speculation on my part, but uh, both teams seemingly interested and that definitely shows that Carolina is certainly interested in offensive tackle at number six yeah Todd McShay obviously working for ESPN probably the second name when you like go to draft people behind Mel Kuyper I would say he's a bigger one but definitely like a really big source Andrew Jeremiah there's another one yeah but different 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 uh, company yeah oh yeah I network. guess yeah but um yeah I'm saying at ESPN probably under Mel Kuyper he's like the but he's still really up there and he's gonna be on I'm sure draft coverage when it's on ESPN Another thing, Alex, do you know what FWIW means? I had to look it up. 
for what it's worth. I don't know. For what it's for worth. what it's worth, yeah. right? For what it's worth. That's what I was gonna guess, but I didn't want to say it in case I, was I looked it up because you said F W I W and I was like, Yeah, we should probably know what that is. So I looked it up. I've never I've never used that in text with you. I've never used that in text with anyone. Never used it in my life. And Josh is an abbreviation person. So this yeah, is Yeah, so is that's a like a new one. You know, okay. I'm going to be sending that now forever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next stuff. Actually, do you want to take, because you like know about this more than I do, or are you also taking kind of like a not really, I don't really know what this means view on it because I don't, like I'm not. I, I kind of understand it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about sure. it. Anyway, Logan Ryan, uh, now on the Tampa Bay Bucks has filed a grievance against the Giants per source. Ryan was released on March 17th, had $5.5 million of his 2022 salary fully guaranteed, while $8.5 million of his salary was guaranteed for injury. Ryan's grievance regards the $3 million difference. When Joe Shane said the timing of Adore Jackson's restructure was due to some things that have occurred, presumably he was referencing to Ryan's grievance. The Giants had less than $1.2 in cap space at the time, the grievance was filed. Once they decided to restructure Jackson, it made sense to do the maximum amount since they were going to need more cap space. Eventually, the restructured created $6 million in cap savings. Okay, so basically, this guaranteed money, it's about how much money uh, they're going to save in terms of the cap. So 1.2 is the... Um, 1.2 million. Let's like clarify that. Yeah, 1.2 million. <laughs> So basically the difference is I don't believe it's 1.2 million actually cuz that's just what he said there but um basically of that 3 million a certain chunk of it counts towards the cap and if Ryan wins this grievance then the cap will go against the Giants so we could lose I believe it's closer to about a million uh if we lose the grievance uh, or lose whatever I don't know lose the case I don't know I don't know how these grievances work but if the grievance is found to be egregious by the giants then uh basically the giants will lose that cap space if that makes Mm. any sense i don't know the full terms uh i'm not an nfl lawyer (laughs) (laughs) or a lawyer in general whatever you want to take the the case of it but um with that uh, i'm just gonna ask you to do a few things here before we throw it to the mock draft you can follow us on twitter and tiktok at the giant take pod on instagram and facebook the giant take podcast subscribe to our youtube channel the giant take on youtube um, you can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. Drop the five stars. Follow us on Twitter, Alex on Twitter at Inorian23. I'm on Twitter at Joshua29. Most of that info should be in the podcast notes or the description, whatever you want to call it. We're not done yet. Enjoy this first round mock draft, the 2.0. We're not going to waste any of your time. Let's get right into it. Starting out with pick number one. By the Jacksonville Jaguars, the number one probably prospect in this draft class and the number one edge in this draft class, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. On to number two. I mean, unless Alex has something to say, like I, if you don't know about these guys already, you can check out a bunch of content that we have on the channel because we probably talked about like all these guys at least once, if not most of them. But I mean, Alex, do you have any response on this, on the first picks? I don't know how you want to go by comments. I think I'm going to only make comments on things I find interesting, but like the guys we've talked about before, I don't need to comment about them. Yeah. I mean, basically Jaguars need an edge rusher. They have Josh Allen already. And I think it's the best pick available. He's the best player in the class. Like you said, Josh, there's not really much more to say about him. Okay. So then perfect. We got number two, another edge back to back. This guy has been climbing up draft boards the past couple months. 
and could be rumored or is rumored to go number one. But in this mock draft, we have him going number two, and that is Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, the guy that is supposed to have high upside and develop in the NFL. Ada Hutchinson seems to be a number one or day one starter. Trayvon Walker could very well start day one, but will more develop into an NFL guy, unlike what we already think that Aiden Hutchinson is an NFL star, basically. <laughs> Moving to number three now, the Texans. Offensive tackle, Icky or Ike McQuanu from NC State. Icky is his nickname. They're debatable for who can go as the number one to offensive tackle. Who is the number one offensive tackle? Well, check out our offensive tackle rankings to find out here on this YouTube channel. It's in the playlist, so you can check that out on what we think is the number one guy. But, you know, Cross, Aquanu, I mean, they can all debatably go um, or either can debatably be the top guy. Um, so that's just... Here, can I yeah, butt in go. for a second? <laughs> Or Evan Neal. I don't um, know why I, I was blanking on his name. Yes, Evan Neal. Yeah, you were yeah. blanking on his name for a second. Um, with Aquanu, uh, the Texans obviously could really go anywhere because their team is not very good. Uh, and that's coming from a Giants fan, so you know it's uh, you know quite bad. With the Texans, I think Aquanu makes the most sense because they obviously already have Laramie Tunsil and they need help at guard and at right tackle. And I think Aquanu is best suited to help fill both of those positions if need be. So that's kind of why I went Aquanu here uh, for the Texans. I think he just fits that team the best. Now to our other New York team at pick four. Now this could go many different ways for the Jets, another really bad team, just like the Giants, but they go edge and that's edge three out of the first four picks in this mock draft. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon or Thibodeau out of Oregon or Oregon can't speak, uh, but he goes forward to the Jets, the other team that plays him at Life Stadium to the team that we like that plays in MetLife Stadium, the New York Giants. Offensive tackle, Evan Neal, Alabama. Neal seems to be the one that I think is most linked with, with the team based on reports that I've seen on Twitter from NFL you know, reporters and things of that nature. Um, so that is why I have Evan Neal going um, here at number five, or we have Evan Neal going at number five. So when Neal comes, will he play left tackle? Will he play right tackle? Well, we know where Andrew Thomas is playing. So we would assume that uh, Neal would come in and play opposite of him at right tackle, correct? Um, and so that is where Neal will be playing. We now move on to pick number six. That is Alex's job. All right. I'll take it away from here for the next few. Um, with the Panthers up at number six, they could go a couple different ways. Offensive tackle, certainly a possibility, and obviously quarterbacks a possibility. No quarterbacks have been taken as of right now, so they got their pick of the litter, uh, and they decide to go with Malik Willis out of Liberty, obviously a really high upside guy, um, and you know hopefully can save uh, Matt Rule's job down in Carolina. Number seven, the Giants back on the clock. Um, this is an area that you're probably looking defense. You're looking at an edge. There's not really a great edge available. The top three guys are off the board. You could look at a guy like Jermaine Johnson, George Karloftis. Um, but unfortunately I just don't think they're really worthy of this selection here at number seven. And there's one player who, you know, definitely stands out here for a, a position of need, which is really most positions for the giants, if we're being honest, but Ahmad sauce Gardner fits uh, the giant scheme perfectly on defense and uh, we have him 
being taken here by the Giants at number seven out of Cincinnati. Um, and then number eight, the Falcons, another team that could go many different directions, another very bad team, um, which obviously is common when you're picking very high in the draft. Usually um, the Falcons, obviously they are losing Calvin Ridley due to his suspension. They don't have Russell Gage anymore. They really need wide receiver help. Um, and the solution I think is the best wide receiver in this class. And I think that's Garrett Wilson, uh, at Ohio state. And I think he goes number eight overall to the Falcons. Number nine, uh, the Seahawks could very well go quarterback, but I think they're going to take an, uh, you know, wait another year before getting their franchise quarterback. Uh, and in order to have a franchise quarterback, they need to stay on their feet. Uh, and in order to do that, you need a solid left tackle. And I think Charles cross, it fits that mold perfectly for the Seahawks here at number nine. Yeah, cross out of Mississippi State. I just want to add, Alex, that I think that Seahawks are getting great value with this pick at nine because Charles Cross can be a guy that even falls in the top five on draft day. Um, but, you know, it just works out in the scenario that the Seahawks are able to get one of the top tier offensive tackles at pick number nine, almost, you know, to the to the teens. So they're able to get him there. Yeah, uh, great value, like you said. At number 10 here, uh, the Jets are probably a little bit disappointed. They might be a little bit interested in some Charles Cross action, but uh, they obviously missed out on him by one spot. At number 10, uh, a guy who I guess has kind of fallen down draft boards. He's kind of like the uh, a mystery in this draft. We don't know exactly where he's going to go, how teams value him and his position. That's safety Kyle Hamilton, but I think the Jets certainly will value him uh, as a box guy. Uh, they do probably need a deep lying safety uh, and they really just need to take best player available. And at this point, Kyle Hamilton is best player available. Uh, I'm a big Kyle Hamilton fan. Uh, I think he should go earlier than this, but I do understand the positional value concerns. Uh, and that's kind of why he's fallen here to number 10. Moving on to number 11. Now we have the Washington commanders still weird to say number 11, the Washington commanders, they pick wide receiver Drake London out of USC. A guy that I honestly, since, I don't even know, we started doing draft research, Alex, in February once the Giants season was over, or that was in January, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but when we started doing- Really in September, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once the draft season was over, uh, or once the NFL, the Giants season was over, I started doing draft research, and I think one of the starting positions I did was wide receiver. And ever since then, I fell in love with Drake London. Uh, and he is my top wide receiver and has been since like January, February when I started doing research. So um, I love that pick there for Washington, except that it's in the NFC East. Next up, 12 Minnesota Vikings, cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., LSU, a guy that is very much up there uh, in the top tier of cornerbacks in this NFL draft class. It's probably him, Gardner, and then you go into tier two, in my opinion. And just coming into that tier two, honestly is number 13 here, just how it works out. The Texans get cornerback Trent McDuffie out of Washington. So that is who they get at 13. Yeah, uh, Trent McDuffie, I, yeah, sorry, I was, I was uh, reluctant. I thought you were going to say something there, but I'm glad you didn't because I have something to say. So <laughs> um, with Trent McDuffie, I heard uh, a press conference or a conversation or interview. I, I wasn't really certain on it, but I saw that the Texans' new coach, um, it's their former defensive coordinator. I'm blanking on his name now. He mentioned how they need to be much better in the secondary. Uh, they obviously got their tackle at number three, uh, and I think they want to improve the secondary. There's not really a great edge here at this position. You could argue Jermaine Johnson's good value. 
but I think they opt to go with Trent McDuffie, who I think is a very underrated corner in this class, uh, and I think is going to be very good uh, and slot in right away as their CB1 uh, for Houston. So moving on to pick number 14 now. Probably so. The defensive tackles in this NFL draft aren't as high as maybe some other years uh, of you know recently, but they are still first round guys. And the probably top of that list is Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. You can debate between him and Wyatt to see who's number one in that defensive tackle list. Alex might say differently, uh, but I I would say um, that Davis is the top of that list for defensive tackles in this year's draft. And then number fifteen, edge Jermaine Johnson. Out of Florida State, another edge rusher being picked in this first round uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was one of their trade picks, I believe. Yeah, they obviously made that move with the Saints. That's a little bit different from our first mock draft. Uh, And then also the Packers made a trade. The Chiefs made a trade. So there are some different picks in the first round now since we did the last one. Um, But yeah, uh, you you did Jermaine Johnson, right, at 15? So Jermaine Johnson... Uh, you know, I like him a lot. I think he's a very good prospect, but I would say, uh, obviously age is a bit of a concern. Um, and obviously is kind of leaving from that Georgia team and then moving to Florida state also a bit of a concern, but I think Eagles get good value there. Saints at 16, they obviously acquired that pick from the Eagles in that trade. Um, they go quarterback. They need a quarterback. Uh, obviously Jameis Winston's probably not the long-term answer. And I think the second best QB on the board uh, or on in this draft first best QB on the board currently is Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I like him a lot. I think he's solid. I think he's kind of the best day one QB. And to be honest, the saints are a win now team. So I think it kind of works out for them uh, just as well as it works out or more than any other team, maybe bar the Steelers. Yeah. I just think uh, I know what saints fans might say, or even NFL fans who listen or watch might say, um, to this mock draft. I know they got Dalton. I know they have Winston. I mean, <laughs> Kenny Pickett, you're going to want a guy for the future. And that is not Jameis Winston. That's not Andy Dalton. That is Kenny Pickett. So that's what we, and also you want a mobile yeah. QB and Jameis Winston isn't really a mobile QB. So that's something you get with Kenny Pickett as well. Yeah. And certainly Andy Dalton is not. So <laughs> if that's uh, in case anyone was wondering 17, the chargers are up on the board. Uh, you know, we had them going Jordan Davis in the last mock. Uh, I know that's a popular spot for them to take some interior guys. At this point, Jordan Davis is off the board. Devontae Wyatt doesn't really fit what they need exactly because Devontae Wyatt's more of a do-it-all, jack-of-all-traits defensive tackle. They really need a guy who can just stuff the run, which is what Jordan Davis does best. So instead, they opt to protect their young quarterback, Justin Herbert, with a new offensive tackle. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa tested very well at the combine, obviously had a great senior bowl, uh, and he rises up to 17 for us in this mock. 18, you got your new QB and Kenny Pickett, the Saints did, uh, and now they need someone for him to throw to, and that's going to be wide receiver Jameson Williams out of Alabama. Uh, You know, another really great prospect, obviously uh, had that ACL tear, so that's obviously a bit unfortunate, but he should be ready by the beginning of next season. Uh, And I think the Saints get a good value here with Jamison Williams as well. And then to round out the teens here, uh, the Eagles select defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. I am a big Devontae Wyatt fan. I think I kind of see it like this. Devontae Wyatt is like the Aiden Hutchinson of the defensive tackle class. 
and Jordan Davis is the Trayvon Walker. And to be fair, um, Devontae White's an ac- a- athletic freak as well. I think it's, you know, he's just overshadowed by how much of a freak Jordan Davis is. But Devontae Wyatt, uh, I think he is worthy of a top 15 pick. Uh, and here I have him going at 19. He has that pass rushing upside, which is certainly very valuable for an interior uh, guy. I thought you were going to do 20 as well, Alex, but uh, sure, I could take it over. Um, number 20. The Steelers make an interesting move here. I mean, some people say they draft a quarterback. Some people say they don't. Mitchell Trubisky, I mean, I guess he gets a second chance there in Pittsburgh. Is he really the guy you want for the future? Depends on Steeler fans and how they feel in their front office. We believe they don't. So they select quarterback Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati at pick number 20. Moving on to 21. Just a quick comment there. I wanted to say, yep, sorry. Um, this is actually kind of interesting because today news came out when we're recording this that most teams have Desmond Ritter as a first round graded QB. So that's come something uh, to kind of think about kind of why we had him going here at 20, uh, you know, kind of rising up draft boards or maybe hasn't risen up, but we just didn't really know about how NFL teams thought about him. Now moving on to 21, we have the Patriots cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson, 22. The Packers desperately, desperately need a wide receiver. No, I know it's crazy. They didn't have a wide receiver besides Adams before he left. And now they, they don't have Adams. So they don't have any wide receivers. Um, you know, the, the Alex and I were, we were talking about it today. Funny enough, that playbook in Green Bay was kind of based around or, or, you know, um, made up around Adams or Aaron Jones, you know, at the running back position, but. Now they got Alan Lazard as their top guy. So they need a they need a wide receiver. In this draft at 22, they select wide receiver Chris Olave out of Ohio State. The guy's had multiple years of production and very good stat numbers. So um, stat numbers, does that make any sense? Stats, two years of very good stats at least. So um, he's up there for the Packers to take a 22. 23, the Cardinals, another edge, George Karloftis from Purdue, one of the top edges in this draft class. I feel like a guy that's, gone down draft boards honestly towards the negative side I feel like he was up more um you know a couple months ago and now you see him going 23 in our mock draft I guess that's just the way the way the way the dice rolls um but it is what it is so I don't even know if that no dice rolls I'm, I'm doing good here okay 24 Cowboys uh they go with an interior offensive lineman Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M Alex I know you're a big fan of him so I'll give you a minute to speak on him before we go to the next pick and I move too quickly. Yeah, um, Kenyon Green, I kind of got a bit of hate for this the other day when we did our seven-round mock draft for the Giants and I had the Giants trading up from 36 to 30 to take Kenyon Green over Zion Johnson. And I know a lot of people are like, Zion Johnson's better. I I, I just recommend go watch the tape of the both of them. Um, not saying Zion Johnson's not a good player because he certainly is a very good player, but Kenyon Green is definitely on a different level, I think, at the guard position. I think he's that good. Um, And I think the Cowboys, they have an eye for offensive uh, lineman talent. They obviously lost Lyle Collins, obviously different position, but um, still need to beef up that interior of the offensive line. They get Kenyon Green here, uh, which I think is a very good value. You good with me moving on uh, and doing the next couple, or are you going through them? I'll go through them. Yeah, you got it. Sounds good. I'll go through them. Bills at 25, they need corner help. Uh, besides Tredavious White, they really don't have anybody. Uh, and it's, I think this is a great pick for them. A number two corner who, 
is just elite in man coverage. Kair Elam uh, from Florida, another player we had mocked in a Giants mock draft recently. Uh, I really like that guy. So, uh, you know, hope excited to see where he ends up. But I think Bills uh, Buffalo is a great location if you were to, uh, you know, fall to the 20 uh, mid 20s. 26 Titans. Uh, we were kind of looking at wide receivers here. Traylon Burks is the best one on the board. But, you know, you already have A.J. Brown, similar-ish type of players. Obviously, they're not the same. So I'm not really the biggest fan of that. I think it's too, you know, too early to reach for a guy like Jahan Dotson or Sky Moore. Uh, and so we decide to go with another need. Linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Um, just seems like he would fit their defensive scheme well, a little bit better than Nicobe Dean would. And that's really the basis here of why we chose him. 27, uh, the Buccaneers. Speaking of Zion Johnson, they select him out of Boston College, 27th overall. Uh, they lost a couple guys in the interior in the offseason, uh, and they need to protect Tom Brady, obviously coming back from his retirement, unretirement, retired, back unretired. <laughs> An- another reason, Alex, why people or teams might want to get someone like Kenyon Green over Zion Johnson might just be the size. Just like the simple fact of, oh, one of them's taller, one of them's not. Kenyon Green, that one inch might count for something. I don't know. Kenyon Green is six foot four. Zion Johnson, six foot three. And Kenyon Green, obviously 10, 12 pounds, a little heavier than Johnson. You might want a guy who's bigger buffer on that offensive line. So just to back up your point a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, I certainly agree with you, but I think Zion Johnson's going to be an excellent interior guy as well. So, you know, not not saying Zion Johnson's bad at all. I feel like that's kind of what got thrown out at me uh, during the mock draft. Uh, that we did a few days ago. 28 for the Packers. They're up again. At this point, I was heavily thinking going back-to-back wide receivers for them. Traylon Burks is still on the board. Uh, Him and Chris Olave would be a pretty potent punch. But I decide to go with another guy, uh, another athletic freak, but on the defensive side of the ball. And that's edge rusher Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. A really raw guy, um, you know, kind of a player that's really going to need developing, but he has all the athletic tools to be a very good edge rusher in this league. And I think the Packers take a chance on him. Uh, and then 29, I will give to Josh uh, where he can talk about the Kansas city chiefs. Uh, obviously they have back-to-back picks here at 29 and 30. Yes. Very important for the chiefs to get a wide receiver here. Want to know why kind of just like another top guy in this NFL um, in the NFL uh, at the wide receiver position. We talked about Devontae Adams with the Packers. Yeah, there was a guy named Tyreek Hill. He used to be on the Kansas City Chiefs. Not anymore. Now they got Juju Smith-Schuster doing TikTok dances on the 50-yard line. So uh, I think they might want another guy there. They also have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Took him uh, from the Packers there. And they have McCole Harmon. So they, yes, they have some wide receivers. They need one more. I think Traylon yeah. Burks is a perfect guy there out of Arkansas and can very well play the slot. Um, while you have Schmitz-Schuster on the outside and maybe Valdez-Scantling or... Um, I mean, Burks is big. He's, what, 6'4"? He could maybe even play... He could play the outside. You know, it's really a nice dynamic for them because you got Hardman, small, speedy, uh, Juju, who's kind of the middle of the road, do-it-all wide receiver, and then you got Burks, who's your kind of jump ball wide receiver. And then you have the Chiefs at the other back-to-back spot at number 30 here, taking a cornerback... Um, because their top cornerback right now is either Fenton or Legarius Sneed. So I'm going to go cornerback. I'm going to go. I don't know why I keep on saying that. We go cornerback Roger McCreary out of Auburn. So someone who could fall into the early second round. And 
Alex and I have this little thing that if we take like an edge and an O-line, right, we keep those two picks of five and seven and McCreary falls to us at 36 in that second round, let's snag him up right then and there. And that's going to be a great first three picks for the Giants if he falls. But right here he doesn't and the uh, the Chiefs snap him up at number 30. I'm going to do 31 and I'll let Alex close with the final pick. 31 Bengals, interior offensive lineman Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa Another guy here that if, you know, the Giants don't pick an offensive lineman in their first five or seven pick uh, in the first round, if he falls into the second round at 36, you got to snag him up. I don't know how Linderbaum is so low on these draft boards. It's crazy. If he falls this far in the draft, I will be, I I will be amazed, honestly. Teams are really sleeping on this guy and it's, and it's just, it's helping me feel better that the Giants could get him in the second round. So I don't know, but he stays in the first round here. Goes to the Bengals at 31. Alex, close out this dra- uh, this mock draft. Yeah, so the Lions, they got a high upside guy at, with Trayvon Walker at number two. Now they are sitting with Jared Goff at QB. They need a guy who possibly could develop around him. Another kind of raw talent, really only played in an RPO scheme at his school uh, of Ole Miss. And this guy, I think, is kind of a boomer bust kind of guy. Uh, I don't really have a proper read on him when I watched his film. Not really sure what to make of him. Uh, but I think the Lions see a guy with potential. And obviously with the fifth-year option at uh, with the 32nd pick, certainly another thing that's a bonus. And they take Matt Corral, QB, out of Ole Miss, like I mentioned before. Uh, and that rounds out our 32 picks in our full first-round mock draft. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time? Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening.